Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Welcome to episode three of the Mainland Podcast, the official podcast of themainland.com, SB Nation's official Orlando City Soccer Club website. And uh, I am Michael Citro, as always, founder and managing editor of The Mainland. And a little bit later, we're going to be talking to none other than Harrison Heath, son of Adrian Heath, and a midfielder for Orlando City. But before we get to that, joining me now is our assistant editor and senior columnist, Andrew Marcinko. Andrew, how are you doing today? Hey, everybody. I'm doing good. Thanks for tuning in. So, Andrew, I want to talk to something that you and I have discussed at, at great length uh, when we've uh, you know met for lunch or, or been together at these uh, team functions, and that's a collective bargaining agreement. The MLS, uh, of course, needing to come to terms with the Players Association and um, so I want to get your take on it. Talk me either either talk me off the ledge or push me over the edge. Are we going to have soccer on March eighth? It's we're under three weeks away from this thing. Uh, yeah, you know I think we're in good shape. I'm not too worried about it to be honest. Um, you know the news broke I think about a week ago that the uh, league and the players union had agreed to bring in an independent uh, uh, mediating firm um, to work between them to help find a deal. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm not saying there's no cause for concern here, but I think the two sides will come to an agreement and we will play soccer at March 8th. Well, that's good because, um, you know, with all the buildup here, we've got 40,000 plus seats sold. Um, at last report I heard the club was selling about 2,000 seats a day for the uh, opener against New York City FC. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so I think this is going to get done. I think we're going to have 60,000 plus. We're going to fill the bowl. And I'm just a little concerned because, you know, you don't hear a whole lot about the sides even meeting at this point. You know, they, they said they're working with a mediator, but, uh, you know, there's not been a lot of um, progress in terms of, uh, you know, news coming out of that, that they've met, that they're, you know, getting closer. Um, it just seems like everything's still very much in the planning stages right now. Well, yeah, don't don't mistake my my good feelings about it for underestimating how scary it is. It would be a, a massive catastrophe for Major League Soccer, soccer in America, just like on a grand scale if they don't play, if they have to suspend the start of the season for some reason, which is part of the reason I'm pretty confident it, they're not going to have to do that. I think the players, I think the, the management, I think the owners, everyone's on the same page here. It would be a worst-case scenario, doomsday kind of situation right now to suspend this season. Two new expansion teams coming in for their first-ever games, all this momentum, the new big TV contract, building on the World Cup success. It's just the worst possible you know, scenario for, a, for a, a work stoppage right now. So I think that, that level of the doomsday is what's going to make it really unlikely that that would actually happen here. 
Yeah, so we've got the mutually assured destruction scenario exactly. at play right now. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the the league and the players both know, they're both well aware that, that soccer has really taken off and MLS has never been better positioned than it is right now. Uh, and part of that is also because of the influx of coverage of the, the really high-level European leagues where you can't really even turn on the TV, especially on the weekends anymore, without seeing English Premier League, La Liga, you know, uh, Bundesliga just signed a big deal. They're going to start next year. Right. And it, it, it's, you know, MLS wants to ride on those coattails because if, if, if Major League Soccer wants to become one of the big boys and eventually wants to be the biggest league in the world, which I believe they do, and I believe their capability is there, uh, you know, 10 years down the road, then it can't start now with a work stoppage. And, and I think both sides know that, they're aware of that. And I think that will cause them to maybe be a little bit more flexible where uh, they otherwise might not be. I think the players are going to have to back down a little bit from complete free agency to something a little bit more easy to, to digest for the league. And the league is going to have to come up with minimum uh, minimum salaries and a few other uh, perks for well, the players. And that's part of the thing, too, is I don't think there seems to be almost sort of unanimous agreement among the pundits of where we're going here. Everyone knows the salary is going to come up somewhere in the four million range, maybe even four or five. Everyone knows minimums are going to go up. Like all this stuff is accepted. It's not, you know, obviously free agency seems to be the sticking point. But I think you're right. The league is going to have to agree to some form of limited free agency. But every, you know, every all the major pundits, everyone who's talking about this, everyone who's writing about this, sort of seems to be in in give or take agreement on what the final deal is going to look like. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, fronting from the the owners right now and the league. But I think a lot of that's for show. A lot of that's just for negotiations. With there's such unanimous agreement here about where we're going to end up, I think. That's probably just about where we're going to end up. Well, that would be nice. Uh, like, uh, you know, I'm always one of those guys who show me. You know, don't don't tell me. <laughs> just right. you know, let's see, let's see it. Everybody sign on the dotted line. Let's get this done. Lock everyone in a room till it's complete and signed, and sealed, and delivered. And let's get on with the with the process of getting ready for the season. Right. And speaking of getting ready for the season, as we record this, uh, the Orlando City club is on its way to Charleston, South Carolina for the Carolina Challenge Cup. And uh, it's it's going to be cool because, number one, it's going to be the first ever meeting with New York City FC this Saturday. And, Andrew, you're going to be there to bring us all the action for that. Yes, sir. Looking forward to a little little road trip up to uh, beautiful South Carolina. Yeah, and, and, you know, what do you think that we're going to see from Adrian Heath's team uh, up there? I know he wants to get his starters a 90-minute game. Uh, he's he's worked them up from from 30 to 45 to 60 minutes now. Um, you know what what types of things do you expect uh, Heath to work on? Yeah, I mean, no, no doubt this is going to be the most competitive, highest level match that almost any of these guys have played with Orlando City. Uh, obviously, a few of the USL guys have been in some big games, but for most of the guys, this will be their biggest game. I talked to uh, Connor Donovan after the uh, the BK Hacken game, the Swedish club, uh, the friendly last weekend. And, and first thing he said, so that's probably the most intense game you guys have played yet. And he, he agreed, this is obviously going to be bigger than that. The little rivalry that's already built up with New York City FC, that's our first match on Saturday. Uh, and I think they, they probably will try to get a lot of guys that 90 minutes. Uh, most of the starters actually went 70 in this friendly against the Swedish club last weekend. So mm-hmm. they're almost already there. 
guys like Kaká were playing recently. I mentioned Connor Donovan. He was playing Tyler Turner. We're getting some playing time and fitness with the U-20s. So I think at this point there are enough guys on this club that are match ready. You're going to see a lot of those starters and a lot of those players put in a full 90. Yeah, and we're going to get into the position battles, those last few uh, starting spots. Uh, we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Yep. Um, we're, we're going to see a pretty good contingency of of Orlando City fans making it up for that, at least that initial game against NYCFC, which is, that's like that's like saying the alphabet. I'm really tired of that already. <laughs> I wish they had a better name. Um, right. But yeah, we're, we're going to see a, a, the game sold out, which is really cool. Sure. And uh, it's going to be neat to see uh, Kaká, uh, you know, go against uh, David Villa and that kind of thing. I, I, I'm really um, looking forward to it. I, I'm stoked. There's three games uh, up there, and we're going to play... Uh, Couple MLS clubs plus Charleston Battery, our old uh, old uh, rivals from USL, and uh, it should be a pretty cool thing. It, it'll be the main thing I think that Adrian Heath wants to do, Andrew, is to get through these three games without any knocks and to, to solidify his uh, his starting eleven. Yeah, I mean that's it's still a long way off. We've seen in some of the friendlies and in practice, there's still some debate about who's starting well. Uh, where we saw maybe a little bit of a surprise to some, uh, Lewis Neal, uh, a veteran that came in from D.C. in the expansion draft, got the start in one of the attacking midfield roles in the friendly uh, Friday. And I'm not sure there was any injury or anything that that made that a second choice decision. At this point, he might be in the starting 11, which I think was a surprise to a lot of people. Um, the young speedster, uh, Carlos Rivas, was thought to maybe start on the left wing. And, and But with Breck Shea dead at left back, it looks like Lewis Neal's um, in the starting 11 as we speak. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I know Rivas is still a little bit banged up and uh, coming back from a shoulder problem. but uh, uh, And maybe that might have played into it a little bit. Uh, you know, Aurelian Collin got the day off also because of a knock. Right. Uh, but, but Lewis Neal... Adrian Heath has talked about him in the press about saying that he knows the system. He knows where he's supposed to be and where everyone else is supposed to be, and that goes a long way. And so that might work in his favor over a guy who might be a little bit more talented or making a little bit more money or any of those things. So uh, that bodes well for Lewis Neal. And we welcome in mainland columnist, Austin David. Austin, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Andrew and I were talking a little bit uh, earlier about the roster, so let's just delve into the roster a little further. Uh, you have some definite opinions on who might be going to Louisville, and uh, I have my opinions. I'm sure Andrew has his. Why don't we talk about those main candidates? Who do you see are the main candidates uh, for loan to Louisville City FC? Well, I think... Two of the guys that I see almost for sure, it, it's essentially either they're going to go to Louisville or they're not going to make the roster, is Sidney Rivera and Earl Edwards Jr., uh, mainly because, you know, Sidney Rivera's at a position where there's five other guys battling for time at, at striker, and, I mean, he's not going to see much time up there. Um, so, it's you know, from what I've heard, he's been doing very well. Uh, in preseason, and he looks to make the roster, but I honestly think he he'd be better suited off in Louisville just to be able to get some playing time and and develop more as a player. And then with Earl Edwards Jr., you know he's he's the fourth guy uh, at goalkeeper for uh, for Orlando, so he may start off with with Orlando just as you know the third ge- third keeper just because of uh, Tally Hall, 
but when he comes back from injury, he'll probably, you know, move on to, to Louisville or or other. But, I mean, he's been getting uh, significant playing time in preseason, so, you know, it, it certainly looks good for him to make the roster. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what do you think about uh, Louisville and, and who might be headed there? You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Earl Edwards Jr. hang around for longer than you think at Keeper. Um, he was a four-year player at UCLA, I believe, a team captain for his sophomore, junior, and senior years. Watching him in the scrimmage, uh, in the second half of the scrimmage, he is a loud player, too. He's a leader on the pitch, even at 21, 22 years old. He was very vocal. I think they brought him in, a more experienced college player, to have him on the roster, basically. I think they could have, if they wanted to have someone they were going to send to Louisville, there were a couple other keepers that maybe were a little higher on potential, a little lower on experience. But I, I think they took Earl Edwards with the purpose of staying with the senior roster. I wouldn't be surprised when Tally Hall does come back from his ACL surgery. They might make a move. You might see Josh Ford leave. You might see Ricketts either retire or be traded to a, a contender who's in need of a goalkeeper and then find a way to keep Earl Edwards as the third keeper on the MLS roster. Yeah, and we haven't seen Josh Ford the entire preseason. Um, still maybe banged up or, or, or nursing a knock, but we really haven't seen him at all. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and, and that might not bode well for Josh Ford. I mean, he could be the odd man out and, and be loaned out or... Uh, he could he be cut. I mean, that's a, a possibility. Uh, one guy who we haven't talked about because he's a trialist is goalkeeper Matt Cardone, who has really looked pretty good in his time, uh, you know, between the sticks for Orlando City. He made a really incredible diving save over in uh, Bradenton at the IMG Academy when we played DC United with about three minutes to go in the game. He made a diving save on Jairo Arrieta, uh, which preserved the tie. And he's looked pretty good, and he's also a candidate to uh, not stick with the, the club necessarily, but possibly uh, be a guy in line to, to send to James O'Connor there in, uh, in in Louisville. What do you think? Yeah, and Cardone's an actual, uh, he's a really interesting guy because he played his his college soccer at Trinity University, which is a Division three school. So you don't really see that many guys coming out of Division three and uh, you know possibly making it into uh, not only MLS, but USL. So he's definitely an intriguing prospect. But yeah, like like you said, he's he he could be a guy who who goes to Louisville and and helps out James O'Connor down there. So what do we think about Harrison Heath? He's the he's the coach's son, and Harrison is uh, a guy who might be a little bit um, on the outs due to numbers in the midfield and the guys that are ahead of him. He's a guy who could end up in Louisville as well, and I think he would, um, you know, be better served to get more playing time in USL than to sit on the bench and really not be used much other than in training uh, for, for Orlando City. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Harrison Heath? Yeah, he's, he's always been sort of the most likely sort of presumed to head down to Louisville. Um, he's still young. He didn't have the, he didn't do the college soccer experiences some of the guys have had. So, you know, he's looked good in preseason. Everyone's acknowledged that he's maybe been even better than some people thought he might be, but he only got about, I think, 20 minutes of time in the uh, in the friendly last weekend and honestly looked to struggle a little bit. Him and Tyler Turner had some communication issues on the right side, getting the ball out of the back. So I think of anyone, he's probably your most likely candidate to head down to Louisville to get some time there for the year. Well, it'll be very interesting. Right now, the, the, the current roster limit is 29. We don't know if that will change with the with the collective bargaining agreement. Um 
you know, we don't we don't know. I, we've heard rumors that teams are going to carry 25 players this year, uh, but right now we're thinking 29, which means if they sign both uh, Sean St. Ledger, who I always want to call Heath St. Ledger, but he's not Heath St. Ledger. Sure. I mean, we can still, uh, we can not, still give him a Joker nickname. <laughs> we can call him the Joker if yeah. you want. I mean... <laughs> Sean St. Ledger and, and Seb Hines are both guys that are in camp but not signed currently, uh, but they are rumored to be, you know, in line for signing. Uh, you know, one that would put us one over, and so at least one player would have to go, and that's under again the current roster restrictions. So let's talk a little bit about those uh, final position battles. Uh, Austin, we're going to start with you and tell me who do you see as being not safe in the in the final uh, starting 11 and who do you think might win those those battles well i think a lot of fans have really debated on the left back position with luke bowden and breck shea um you know bowden's obviously been there the longest out of the majority of players there him and, and kevin molino um two of the the most tenured players on the roster and you know, one of the the benefits that Bowden has is he knows Adrian Heath's system, you know, better than anybody. And uh, Breck Shea is coming in and still learning not only how to play left back, but learning the whole system in general. So it, it's it's really a, a big debate on who's, you know, better for, for March 8th in terms of starting. You know, obviously Breck Shea has a lot of pedigree coming into uh, Orlando. He's had a few off-seasons. But uh, you go back to his time in FC Dallas. I mean, he was he was a beast back then. So if he can reignite his his uh, style of play that he had back then, uh, he can be you know a valuable asset. But honestly, I'd rather see him more attacking you know at the the kind of the left mid position. Um, you know, just just for for the sake of the the combination between Bowden and Shea would be pretty good. Um, and they both be able to kind of get up and attack a bit more. Um, but, yeah, I think that's pretty much my one position that I'm still kind of debating about. Well, you know, it's, Andrew, it's what not do you a think? good position yeah. for, um, for, for uh, Bowden to be in right now because his playing time rests entirely with Rex Shea. If Rex Shea can handle the left-back role and does well in MLS, Bowden's going to be on the bench. And, and Shea is going to get, I think, the first month of the MLS season to try that out, too. Uh, I've seen nothing, you know, he started there in the friendly, played 70 minutes. I expect he'll start there against New York on Saturday. And I think he's going to get at least a month, at least a few matches in MLS to to see how well he does at left back. If he plays well, if he's able to get forward with, with the same kind of pace and skill that he's shown in the past in MLS, I don't think there's going to be a spot in the starting 11 for Bowden. However, you know, we've seen Shea struggle defensively. It's not his natural position. If he gets beat a couple times, if he has some issues... Then, then you're right. Real quick, he's going to move back up to that midfield role, and, and Bowden will be there to fill the spot. And Andrew, what did you think of his play in the friendly? It, it seemed to me, at least in the in the middle of the first half, from the middle of the first half on, it seemed like Hawken could not attack down their right, and and that would be Brett, where Breck Shea was because they were so concerned about him getting forward. They didn't really try to to move the ball much up that wing. Um, I thought he was pretty effective, and he was very very physical. Yeah, and you've seen this with a guy like DeAndre Yedlin, too. Uh, we saw a lot last year. He's moved on to Tottenham now in England. But when he's with the Sounders, he's not the best defender in the league. He's not the most technical. His footwork is lacking at times. Um, but he's fast enough to recover. In the MLS, at least, if you have elite speed at defense, 
you can afford to get beat once or twice if you can still recover. Breck Shea has that same kind of elite speed, and he actually adds a touch of physicality as well, uh, which might enable him to sort of cover up for some technical deficiencies on the defensive end. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for me, the position battles that we really need to pay attention to right now, uh, the striker battle between Brian Rochez and, and Martin Patterson, mostly because Pato has looked very, very good and we haven't seen enough of Rochez yet, uh, is a, that's a big uh, issue to me that I think will get sorted out in these three games in Charleston. And also, you know, Aurelian Collin is going to be a starting center back. Who's going to be his partner? Is it going to be Sean St. Ledger? He seems to have the inside track. Well, again, he's not signed yet. And Seb Hines has come in. Connor Donovan we've seen quite a bit of, but is he ready? Uh, he's he's mistake-prone, but he seems to be actually way further ahead than I thought he would be. What about center back, Austin? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of said this in my article. Tommy Redding and Connor Donovan will probably, in my opinion, split time at Louisville. Um, just just because I think for their development specifically, uh, it, it would be better to get them, you know, game minutes rather than just training. Uh, you know, it, it can still be beneficial for training, you know, with some of the, you know, the better players uh, on the team. But I think just for them specifically, I think it'd be better if they went uh, to Louisville and got some time to play. Uh, but in terms of, like, the actual starters, I think from what I've seen, um, which isn't much, to be fair, because Sean St. Ledger and Seb Hines, like you said, they haven't signed. Um, but it certainly looks like uh, I think Seb Hines is a loan deal, and I think that's finalized. Um, but Sean St. Ledger is still a trialist. So I think at this point i got to say Seb Hines only because that's you know I know that's actually happening. Um, and from what I've seen, you know, he did score a goal in that BK Hawking game, but he also gave up a penalty. Um, you know, within the first few minutes of coming into the game. So uh, it's kind of a mixed bag with Hines, uh, but I've heard good things from him from Middlesbrough, so i got to go with him for right now. Andrew? Well, you know, Austin and I debated this a little bit yesterday, uh, and he was saying he thought maybe Redding and Donovan will spend some time in Louisville. I'm not sure I see that, particularly with Donovan. He's making a serious case right now to get some starting minutes on the team with with how he's playing, but... Even if he's not the starter, even if Hines or St. Ledger adds up the starter next to Colin, I think it's more beneficial for a guy like Donovan and Redding as well to be getting that practice time with the first team, to be going against Kaká and Rochez and even you know Danny Mwanga, veterans like that. Defending those guys in practice is going to do just as much for them as game minutes in USL. Additionally, both of those guys and Tyler Turner are going to be getting some serious game minutes with the USU-20s this summer as they continue the uh, qualifying campaign. So they'll be getting those competitive matches there as well. But I, I, my, I would venture to guess that both uh, Donovan and Redding start the season in the MLS. Okay, well, uh, let's go through our starting 11 then uh, before we bring in our, our special guest, Harrison Heath. Uh, Austin, give me your starting 11 in the Adrian Heath uh, system. Okay, so starting at goal, we got Donovan Ricketts. I think that's pretty much a given at this point. Um, at center back, I got Seb Hines and Aurelian Collin. Uh, at right back, still debating that. I think I'm going to go with uh, Rafael Ramos just because he's looked a bit more comfortable uh, playing and getting up a bit more. Uh, than than Red, er, than uh, Tyler Turner has, um, and you know Turner hasn't gotten enough 
playing time with the first team to kind of, for me, uh, assess that he's going to be a starter. So I'll have to go with Ramos for now. Um, Breck Shea at the left-back position, as much as I want Bowden to be the starter, I think it's, like Andrew said, it's Breck Shea's job to lose right now. Um, then you got Rivas at the uh, left-mid position, Kaká obviously at the central attacking mid, Kevin Molino to his right, and then I'm going to go with Martin Patterson at strike. You forgot the uh, the defensive mid. Oh, yeah. I did, didn't <laughs> I? Okay, so let's go with uh, Amobi Okugo and uh, Christian Higuita for those defensive mid positions. All right, Andrew, you got any uh, anybody you changed there? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're pretty close. Uh, I think everyone's pretty close, you know. Obviously, they put a lot of time and effort into this. I'm thinking um, a little little surprise, and I don't know that he's shown this yet, but I'm going to make a little bet that Tyler Turner earns a start at right back over the course of the uh, Charleston tournament. Um, I don't think Ramos showed me a ton in the friendly last weekend. I thought he dribbled a little too much. He didn't really combine well in the overlapping runs with uh, Molino out on that side. I think Turner will have a chance to win the job in this tournament, and I think he does. Uh, I also think Rochez will probably get the start up top. That's that's 50-50 at this point, though. It might just be whoever happens to score a goal in the next tournament, to be honest. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you pay a guy DP money, you want to give him that chance to earn it up there. Uh, and, and he does show some pretty good size and physicality uh, up at the top there. And then, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Lewis Neal start the season out on the left. It's still a pretty young team. Um, Rivas is a very young guy. He obviously has elite speed and, and showed some great potential. I think he'll play a big role for us eventually. But if I'm starting day one with some pretty young guys out there, a veteran MLS starter like Lewis Neal might pair, pair well um, with some of the younger guys. One thing I noticed a lot of in the friendly, you saw a lot of interplay and even sort of switching positionally between the three attacking mids. We saw, you know, I commented to you, Michael, we saw Molino out on the left. He moved from right to left, and Neil mm-hmm. took his place out on the right, and they sort of switched freely throughout the match. That's not an easy skill to learn, and I think Neil's experience will allow him to do that a little more fluidly, which Coach, Coach Heath might very well appreciate. Fair enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that, uh, obviously, I agree with Ricketts, I agree with Shea, uh, I agree with Colin, obviously. Uh, moving out to the right on defense, I'm going to say Ramos uh, because in the three games that I've seen, Ramos has been a little bit better than than Turner, although he's obviously been playing with the starters, so that might have a little bit to do with it. Uh, he was very, very good at times against uh, D.C. United in that, f- that first friendly. Uh, at the right center back position or ne- next to Colin, I'm going to say the club signs St. Ledger and makes him the opening day starter with, with an eye toward maybe Hines taking that away a little bit later. I like it. St. Ledger was the loudest guy at the friendly on, on uh, last Friday. I like that he already stepping up as a team leader, even though he's still on trial. Yeah. And the guys seem to be responding well to him. The, the ones I talked to had good things to say about him. Yep. Uh, Amobi Okugo, I think is a lock. Obviously he's probably the most, uh, lock, you know, outside of Kaká. He's he's the most obvious lock on the team for where he's going to be. Right. Uh, Christian Higuita has has uh, has been a little inconsistent, but he covers a ton of ground. He has really impressed me with the amount of ground he covers. He's like it's like watching Michael Bradley. It's like oh, did you just run eight miles today? Right. <laughs> uh, and in the midfield, uh, obviously Kaká in the middle, 
Molino, and I'm going to go with Rivas because of the way Rivas looked against DC United and the fact that he's been a little bit banged up has not dissuaded me that he is the bigger talent. Um, and and you, like you said, Lewis Neal, maybe at the start of the season gets the start, but maybe not. It just depends on how Rivas comes along, I think, and we'll probably find that out in the next three games. Uh, up top, I'm going with uh, Brian Rochez. I think Brian Rochez is a dangerous player. And uh, it'll be interesting to me to see which other strikers stay on the club mm-hmm. because uh, I think Rivera is a is a candidate to go to Louisville and get some playing time. I'm not sure that Mawaga is going to see the field very much. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I'm looking forward to it. You know, Orlando City, MLS debut coming up on, we hope, March 8th. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going to fill the bowl. Joining us on the Mainland Podcast this time out is uh, midfielder Harrison Heath. Harrison, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Michael? Doing great. Thanks for asking. Um, I wanted to. I, I've been wanting to have you on, uh, basically, to to talk to you a little bit about uh, your experience uh, as a young player. Um, you know, coming into MLS with Orlando City, you were obviously with the club uh, last year with the USL Pro. And I want to start off by asking you what uh, what do you see as the big difference this year uh, as opposed to training uh, with the USL Pro team last year? I mean, I don't think it was a secret. We we obviously had some quality of players last last season. Uh, um, you know, with the success that we had in the league, but I think everything has just stepped up a gear um, this year. I think that the standard has probably gone up. The intensity of training. Um, the demands that the um, the coaching staff and the organization has has probably gone up, but um, you know, not much has changed in terms of how how our attitudes are towards training. And I know for certain the gaffers' attitude hasn't changed. You know, we work hard every day on the pitch. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You, you call him the gaffer, but he's your dad. So, um, how is it for you as a player who? is playing for his father, uh, but still trying to make an impression, uh, you know, to get into the lineup and that kind of thing. It's obviously it, um, a difficult situation. It can be difficult, should I say. Um, so far, so good. Um, you know, I think me and my, my dad have a good understanding of what we can and can't do. Um, and we went, we never crossed that boundary. It's, um, it's tough for me sometimes where I want to maybe say something back or, you know, voice my opinion, but sometimes I have to keep that in because because I am his son. Um, but there's no unfair treatment in terms of I get anything easier than anyone. If anything, I get it harder because that's just the way he is. Um, so it's difficult sometimes, but I uh, look at it as a positive. It's just testing me, and hopefully it will uh, it'll be good for me in the future. Yeah, I would think it would be... Um... It would be difficult. I know that just imagining working for my dad would be, uh, I yeah. think he would, he would probably be harder on me than anybody. Yeah, um, no, it can be a challenge. <laughs> so here's an interesting thing is that you're, you're a young guy, but you've been in, you know, obviously Adrian Heath's system. You know how it's supposed to be played. And here are a bunch of uh, new players to the team, but they're veteran players. Do you find yourself in a position to where you're um, needing to sort of uh, – talk 
some of the guys through what they're supposed to be doing in the new system, or uh, have you not had to take on that kind of a role? Um, I mean, I haven't taken on that kind of a role just because I think, you know, you have the whole respect thing for the veterans. They, they've been in the league, and they, if it's not this league, they've been in leagues around the world, and they've done it a lot longer than me. Like you say, I have been around it for a long time. Consider I'm 18. I've, I've been around professional football for a long time. Um, you're right about I do know the system in and out because I've seen it from a very young age. But, um, you know, that's that's the gaffer's job to to teach those guys what he wants. And um, I'm I'm there if he needs me to step in or, or whichever way he goes about it. But uh, for me... I'm just concentrating on my own my own game, and if there's anything I can help people with along the way, then I'll, I, I will do. Now, have you talked to the coach much about, uh, as far as your being 18, and, and, you know, obviously he's brought in a lot of players with some experience. Um, there's, there's not going to be a lot of playing time for some guys, so ha- have you talked about the potentiality of going – uh, to Louisville, or is that something that hasn't come up and you're you know, sort of fighting your way to, to make the big club? I mean, it hasn't come up yet. I'm sure at some point um, it will do. It's still early days in terms of preseason. You know, I'm just focusing on doing the best I possibly can to, to stay here. If game time is not very good, then um, I'm sure that the, um, the loan will start being talked about, and I will be happy to do that. You know, I want to be playing football and Playing football, you can train, you can train all week and train every day, but not it, it's not the same as playing playing games. So I want to be playing football. If I have to go on loan to do that, I will, and I'll um, I'll be happy to do it. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of the line you walk. It's like you you want to make the uh, like you know a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners probably can relate to playing uh, sports in in high school and, and the difference between making varsity or playing for the junior varsity is you might get to play more. Uh, but you don't get that, you know, that, um, um, I guess, the bragging rights of being with the, the big team. But um, so uh, that's always interested me. Right. Harrison, what, what would you say your, your main strengths are as a as a player in, in MLS? Um, I would say my main strengths are my passing ability. Um, my range of passing is good. Um, for, a young, for a young kid, I have a quite good understanding of the game. Um, Positional wise, and you know where I need to be. Um, but I'm still young. I've still got a lot to learn, um, and I've got the right coaching staff and the right players around me to um, to do that. And let me flip it around and, and ask you: What are the things you'd like to see improved in your game? My physical attributes. I need to be more physically dominant in midfield. You know, on the ball, I'm good and technically good, but I need to affect the game defensively more. Um, and that's something I'm working on with the fitness coach, the strength people, and then also, you know, the coaching staff in terms of when I need to tackle and when I don't need to tackle. And that's just all understanding. Like I said, I'm young, I've got time to, to learn, and I've got a great group of people trying to help me. Now, speaking of people, uh, one of the things that, that um, you know, makes a good team is a team that uh, can be cohesive and, and come together how is the team gelling in, in your estimation so far? I think we're gelling really well. You know, the last, I would say the last week or so, the week and a half, we've really come on from where we were in the first week. Uh, you know, the first week was quite quiet. Everyone was sussing each other out sort of thing. You know, it's the first week of preseason. But now 
we're very much together as a group and um the trip has come at a good time because now we're going away we'll go away tomorrow to charleston for 12 days and i think it's going to be good for us to just be on the road together uh and gel some more but we are we are very much together right now what's it like playing with a former world player of the year in kaka i know it's it's got to be a big thrill but what is it like to be on the pitch with him um it was very surreal to start with you know the first few days were surreal um, in terms of you know you're playing with someone that's won the world cup won the ballon d'or won numerous uh league titles in different different countries different leagues um after the after three or four days you sort of get used to the fact that you've seen uh kaka every day um he's a great guy he um speaks to us all he's not you know doesn't isn't big time at all. He's very humble. He's very, very nice to us younger guys also. He's got a lot to learn, you know, so any chance I can to take some, in, take something off of him, I'm going to take that chance because he's got a lot of wisdom. Yeah, he sure does. Um, and I know that he, he wore the, the armband there and, and, and as a, a player's experience as he is, that's a possibility going into the season. But who are some of the other guys on the team that have emerged as leaders in your eyes? Um, obviously, you've got you've got Aurelian Colin, who I think was just born to be, be a leader uh, in terms of the way he plays. Also, you know, he, he gives it everything he's got all the time. Uh, Lewis Neal, who's sort of a veteran guy now, who's got a lot of experience. He's played in the league for the last three or four years. So we've got those guys. You've got Donovan Ricketts, who's just got experience, um, a lot of experience in the league. He's he's an older guy, so we've got a lot of. A lot of um, good guys around um, a, a pretty young group of players. So uh, that game the other day um, out at uh, Sylvan Lake Park, uh, kind of a chippy affair there with uh, with H uh, or with BK Hawken. Yeah. Um, what, what's it like to play in a in a preseason friendly that turns out to be not so friendly like that? It, it was actually um, sort of a blessing in disguise for us because it got us playing. I think it got us playing quicker. Um, you know, preseason games can sometimes be a bit slow and sluggish because people are still figuring things out. And but from that game, you could tell within five minutes it was going to be, you know, an aggressive game, a physical game, and and it made us step our game up. And we actually put together a really good performance. Yeah, it was it was a pretty exciting game to watch too. The uh... The thing I want to ask you now, uh, before we let you get out of here, is, is coming into this trip to the uh, Carolina Challenge Cup, uh, I know your father says the results of the games been preseason don't really matter, but what would you consider a successful trip for these three games? A successful trip for the games would be to put together a full 90-minute performance that you know the coaching staff are happy, us as players are happy with. That's what preseason is about. Um, the result doesn't matter in terms of you know or we we must win but it's always nice to win and I know at this club certainly we have a we very much have a winning, winning mentality um so we want to go out there we never go out there not to win um uh, but we the main focus is to put together a full 90 minutes of attractive uh soccer yeah and you mentioned the the, the winning attitude obviously in USL the the Lions were very um you know, trophy-oriented team and and success was a very important part of everything you guys did. And moving into this year with a lot of new guys, 
I still get the sense, as you know, just an outside observer, that there's still a real belief that this club can can be competitive and and make the playoffs and possibly even make a run. Is is that what you guys sense? Uh, you know, when you go out and take the field together. Absolutely, uh, this club is is unlike anywhere I've ever been uh, in terms of the uh, belief that we have in ourselves in the organization. Where we go out there and we in our minds we're going to win the game. Uh, we never go out there and don't think that that's going to be the case. Um, and I think that is part of the reason why we've been so successful for the four four years before we make our jump into the MLS and nothing changes. Uh, you know, the the coaching staff, the gaff has made it very clear that nothing's going to change. We're going to do this, things the same way um, and hopefully with a little bit of luck and uh, determination, we can take the winning mentality and the winning performances into the MLS. All right. Well, Harrison Heath, thanks so much for being with us and, uh, and certainly best of luck to you as you, as you try to make the club and, if you don't, you know, best of luck getting lots and lots of playing time in Louisville. Michael, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Harrison, and uh, we'll hope to have you on again soon. Cheers, cheers. Anytime. Well, we thank Harrison Heath for being with us, and uh, obviously we wish the, the boys in purple good luck up in Charleston. Uh, hopefully they'll come home with their first trophy. Uh, that'll just about do it for uh, Episode 3 of the Mainland Podcast. Really appreciate you listening. If you... Uh, are interested in supporting our podcast, and you are in position to do so, we are looking for sponsors. So uh, just contact us at themainland at gmail.com. Make sure you spell Maine like a lion's mane, M-A-N-E, themainland at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, you can you can be a friend of the podcast. Uh, but until uh, March, we're going to be uh, signing off now. We'll be weekly from uh, March, first week of March through the end of the season. Uh, Andrew and Austin, thanks so much for being on the show again. Uh, I'm sure you know you'll be on again many, many times in the future. But uh, appreciate you helping me out with the podcast this week. Absolutely, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. That'll do it. We'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>